Thank you for being here. Would you please take your Bibles and join me in Philippians chapter 2. We are going to return to our series through Philippians. It has been a while due to Silver State, VBS, and a couple of guest preachers. But we are ready to get back at it. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin by reading verses 14 through 18. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. All right, we covered verses 14 and 15 last time, where we see there are two things listed we should never do. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. All things. That's quite a bit of things, isn't it? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We could say it this way. Without complaining and arguing. Without grumbling and debate. Remember earlier in the chapter we saw the call to unity. Humility, service. In verses 2 and 4, again here in chapter 2, look what it says. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem better, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's not telling you to be uh, nosy. That's telling you to, amen. That's telling you to care about other people. Then we are given the example of Christ's life. And so in verses 14 and 15, it's a continuation of the call to humility and unity that we see throughout this chapter. Murmurings and disputings are always a result of pride. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 13.10, Only by pride cometh contention. So we need to be a people who are without uh, murmuring and disputing Because it not only affects our relationship with each other, but it also affects our relationship with our Lord. And we saw how we need to accomplish verse 14 in order to accomplish verse 15. That we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And we took note last time why this is so important. Number one, because of who we are. We are the children of God. Number two, because of where we are. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and world. Three, because of what we are supposed to be doing. We are to shine as lights in the world. And this brings us to where we left off last time. Let's look at verse 16 again. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So how do we shine as lights in the midst of a spiritually darkened, crooked and perverse world? 
we hold forth the word of life. Now, that doesn't mean that we simply walk around with the Bible way up high. (laughs) Holding forth the word of life means we have taken hold of the word of God ourselves. We have retained it. It means we are taking heed to the Word of God. Holding forth the Word of life means we are living out the Word of God for others to see. We are shining as lights in the midst of a dark world. You say, boy, it's getting dark. Amen. There has never been a greater contrast between the righteous and, and the righteous and the wicked. And the more dark it gets, the brighter the light seems to shine. And so I'm not deterred by any of that. Yes, I want my children to grow up in a righteous country. We understand that thinking. But I also understand spiritually as we hold forth the word of life, it's going to shine even brighter because of the day in which we live. The choice has never been more easy to make. Aren't you glad for that? That means uh, a lot of the pressure is off of you, amen. You just shine the Word of God. So you hold forth the Word of life. The principles contained in the Bible are to be lived out in our lives. Wisdom is justified of her children. We are to live out those principles so others can see that the Bible is true. This is how our... Our marriages are strengthened. These are how our kids are to be raised. This is how our church is to be structured. This is how we are to live holy lives. The crooked and perverse nation has other gods that they're placing before the living God. They bow down down to and serve. Now, in America, that may not be a literal bowing down. In a lot of the places of the world, that's true. There's still a lot of places where there are false gods that are the works of men's hands that you can put on a shelf. How would you like a God that you can just move around? They have idol worship. They take the name of the Lord God in vain. They don't remember the Sabbath day. They don't keep it holy. A perverse and crooked nation doesn't honor father and mother. They kill They commit adultery, they steal, they bear false witness against their neighbors, and they covet after that which is not theirs. But Christians who are shining lights in the world, in the midst of a perverse and crooked nation, we hold forth the word of life by keeping those Ten Commandments I just listed to you. There's other commandments, but you understand. We take heed to to God's word. We demonstrate the difference between holy and unholy We show the difference between clean and unclean. We live in such a way that others can see that there's something different about our behavior. Our lives are to be a shining light in a world of darkness. And we demonstrate that we have no other God before God Almighty. That we have no other gods. (laughs) That'd be the best way to say that, amen. We don't take the Lord's name in vain. We are a people that others are to watch and see them leaving every Sunday morning to come to church. Now there they go. It must be 9.30, whatever time you leave. What a testimony. 
they notice when we place an importance upon a day that they just see as another work day or a day of recreation. They take note of how we honor our parents, how we don't go around killing, committing adultery, stealing, bearing false witness, or coveting after that which, is, which isn't ours. Our lives are lights which make manifest that God dwells in us, that we are striving to live pure and holy lives. Listen to what Paul said concerning the Corinthians. This is from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And so as we take hold of the Word of life, our lives in turn become the Word that others can read. It's not that we don't open our mouth. But it means that we now have credibility to open our mouth. Because they have observed the manner in which we live. And they realize maybe they do have something to say. And you may have been there and not even realized it when somebody at work, all of a sudden, it blows up in their face. Life does. And they come to you. They want you to pray for them. They never talked to you of spiritual things before. But they observed something in your life that made them realize this guy has a relationship with God. And they don't understand it all, right? But I see this guy going to church every weekend. I see that he wants this time off from work in order to be involved with church activities. I notice that his language isn't like the language of the world. I notice that he doesn't get as ticked off. We are living in such a way that others see the light shining and when their life explodes, they come to you. I can remember examples when I was stationed in Korea and people's lives began to blow up in their face. I was, I was what they call cadre, a cadre unit. And so we traveled to other camps within South Korea to make sure they knew what they were doing when we didn't know what we were doing. Because everybody's just there for a year, amen? <laughs> anyway, man, you stop in these camps and these people would come out and they would say, hey, can you pray for my wife? She just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? They never wanted to talk of spiritual things until their life got into a shambles. Or some crisis came up, you see. So we live our lives in a way that others see it. It is known and read of all men. That's what gives us the credibility. Leonard Ravenhill said, The world out there is not looking for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. He went on to say, Have we compromised? Have we no spiritual stature? Have we no righteousness that reflects on their corruption? What a powerful thought. Is there not enough righteousness in us that others can't understand their own corruption? What are people reading and knowing by your life? Are they reading the Word of God, as it were, by your life? We are the epistle of the Spirit of God at work in our life. 
So are you giving those around you a demonstration of true Christianity? Now listen to what Paul said to, Thessalonian, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6-9. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show us of what manner of entering, entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What, a, what an amazing thing. Paul is saying that the Thessalonians' actions demonstrated that they were holding forth the word of life. That this wasn't just a book that somebody read from on Sundays, but it was something that penetrated the heart and caused a change in the direction in which we were heading. Amen. Something changed in our life. Amen. I'm about to get excited. They followed the Lord. They turned from idols to serve the living God. They were in samples to all. They sounded out the word of the Lord to the, to the point that their faith in God was spread abroad. Apostle Paul said, we need not to speak anything. Why? Because they were already living it and speaking it. You see, that's taking hold of the word of life. So we know the Bible is the word of God which we hold forth. And we understand how our lives are the testimony of the Word of God, which is being lived in our lives. When we begin to speak to others, we then hold forth the Word of life by pointing others to Christ, who is life, and who is the Word of God. You see, our lives, as righteous and as holy as we may want to live and hope to live, cannot save anybody. Why are you telling us this? Because I want you to understand that there must come a point where we begin to interact with people. It isn't just enough to live out the Word of God, but we must be able to talk to other people about their need of Christ. I, I remember I was deployed once, and this man who I worked next to, he was a very moral man. He was on his way to hell. My point is, it didn't matter how much I tried to demonstrate a godly life in front of him. He was faithful to his wife. He didn't cuss. He didn't drink. He didn't do all those things. He lived a clean life. But he didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And we talked about those things. My point is, don't just get this idea in your head that, well, when I go to work, I'm just not going to cuss. That's not enough. You hold forth the Word of God, but then you speak forth the Word of God because we can't save anybody by our demonstration. Only Christ and His blood can save sinners. So we preach Christ crucified. We live the Word of God as an evidence of our salvation. And then we proclaim the Word of God verbally to those who need to be saved themselves. So are you holding forth the Word of life tonight? And since unity and humility are emphasized in this chapter, I would also add that the word of life must be our basis of unity and humility. 
We are not all going to agree on every issue in life. We just might as well get that settled. We may have some differences politically. It's okay if you're wrong. We may have some differences socially. But spiritually, we are to be unified on the Word of God. And so much of the Word of God is so crystal clear that there ought to be far more that we're unified on than that we're separated on. If we have book, chapter, verse, we ought to be unified. So we may have some differences, but we must be completely unified on the Word of God. We hold forth the Word of life as our final authority on all matters of faith and practice. We rally around the Word of God. When all is said and done in a situation, what does God's Word say? Not my opinion, not your opinion, but what did God say on the matter? Remember what Philippians 1.27 says, Stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Put all the other differences aside. There's, there's a primary goal, and that is we strive for the faith of the gospel. We are not a political entity. Amen. We are not Donald Trump's right arm or Joe Biden's right arm. Listen, we are not a social justice movement. That's not why we are here. We are here to hold forth the word of life. And so then it must be the word of God that drives my opinions politically, that drives my positions socially. What makes the difference in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which we live, where there is social issues, where there are political issues, what is is going to show that is the Word of God. We hold it forth. I stated last week, light, not last week, like a month ago, Brother Foley, Light makes manifest. That's why we turn on the light, right? I want to see where I'm going. Light makes manifest. As lights in the world, we as children of God, as lights in this world, we are to shine the way of truth. We show forth the right path. And as lights, we not only guide, but we also warn of the dangers that lay out in front. We are lighthouses. Showing forth the way into safe harbor. Lights also bring comfort. It's an eerie feeling when you cannot see your hand in front of your face. It'll make you pray for the rapture. Ask my wife. And just that little bit of light begins to come up in the morning. And it starts to bring comfort. It not only makes manifest, it brings comfort. Now you can see the dangers around you. There's assurance and solace. So we hold forth the word of light to light the path for others, highlighting the dangers they are heading into. I hope you're doing this at least with your kids. We bring comfort to those who will follow in the light of Christ. And so I'd ask you a third time tonight, are you holding forth the word of life? Now, let's notice why the Apostle Paul writes verses 14, 15, and the first part of verse 16. Would you look at the last half here 
of verse 16. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul labored with an eye toward the day of Christ. He says, look, would you, would you do all things without murmurings and disputings? You need to be blameless and harmless without rebuke in this crooked nation. You need to shine as lights. You need to hold forth the word of life. Why? That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. The day of Christ is the day when the Lord returns to gather His saints. Paul knew there was coming a day when Jesus would return to reward His laborers. And Paul never wanted his labor to be in vain. In Isaiah 49, we have a prophecy of the Messiah. I've had a man disagree with me on that. You can see me afterwards if you would like. And in Isaiah 49.3, God says to Christ, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But then listen to the words of the Messiah in verse 4 of that same chapter. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Now, we understand that the Lord's work was not in vain. However, due to Israel's overwhelming rejection of Christ in His day, our Lord felt like it was in vain. The Bible says He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. The Bible says that he was rejected and despised. So God goes on to reassure Christ there in Isaiah 49, verses 5 and 6. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to rise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So God lets the Messiah know, He lets Christ know, you will not only redeem Jacob, and it may feel like it was in vain because you were rejected, but don't lose hope. I'm going to give you the Gentiles, and they're going to be converted from every tribe, tribe, nation, people. And listen, I'm just saying this, the response of the Gentiles, it would seem like his, his efforts in Israel were, were in vain. We know they weren't. But it would feel that way. And it broke the Lord's heart. Do you hear me? It broke His heart that He was rejected by His own. He approached Jerusalem and He wept over the city. If thou hadst known, even thou, at last in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. And I'm just trying to say how heartbreaking it is to know that what we do is not having a lasting impact. It breaks the heart. We want to know that our labors are not in vain. Brother Long testified tonight of the young man that he was stationed with in Montana back there years ago and now still living for the Lord because somebody invested their life in another. But it felt like all those years, maybe it was just in vain. And then you go back years later and you see, no, there's fruit that remains. Amen. 
And so it does hurt. Doesn't it hurt when we pour our lives into somebody and then we watch them walk away? Go down a path that we know they don't need to be going down? And though it's difficult to go through, I want to tell you tonight, don't lose heart because our Lord went through that. And we say like the Lord, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Though we may feel like it's in vain at times, we must commend ourselves to the Lord's judgment. And know this, He's keeping better records than any of us can keep. Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now in that sense, I believe Paul knew my labors are not in vain. He said as much in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul understood the Lord knew his heart through his labors for Christ that he would ultimately be rewarded according to his labor. So I believe what Paul is referring to here in Philippians 2.16 and what our Lord was referring to in Isaiah 49, it's talking about fruit which remains upon this earth. Paul knew his labors would be rewarded, but what he's saying here in the second half of verse 16, I want to know that you guys are continuing. I want to know that you're still going strong. I want to know that my labor has not been in vain. He wanted to be able to rejoice when the Lord returned. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So he wants these Philippian believers to continue on for the sake of the gospel. John would write in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So it was going to be a source of joy for the Apostle Paul to know that after all he had gone through and seeing this church established in Philippi after the beatings and the imprisonments and, and all that took place there, that this church would still be faithful, that it wasn't in vain. He wanted to know that the race he was running would have a lasting impact in the church, or in this church, I should say. And, and this is what we all desire as servants of God. Amen? I hope that's your desire. We're not looking to work and labor to please man or to get man's attention, but we are working and laboring in hopes that this person will grow, they will mature, and they will in turn teach their family. They will grow, and on and on and on. We don't want it to be in vain. This is what we desire. We want to know that the labors in raising our children have not been in vain. Hey man, I'm about to launch one out there into the world. Lord, have I done all that I know to do? We want to know our investments into the lives of others have not been in vain. We want to know that our sacrifices and our tears have not been in vain. And I want to tell you tonight, this is something near and dear to every pastor's heart. That what I attempt to do is not in vain. But by the grace of God, our founding pastor, Pastor Williams, can see that this church is still laboring, still going forth, that his labors were not in vain. And that's what any pastor wants. And whenever God removes me, the hope would be that this church is still going, that it's not in vain, that all the sacrifices and all the tears, blood and sweat, church would keep. Continuing. We need to live in such a way that would not only be honoring to Christ first and foremost, but that we would also honor Pastor Williams and his family for the sacrifices they have made. Without them, 
this church would never have been established and grounded. I'm not discounting God's role in that. Come on now. But it took somebody to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. And nothing would hurt the Williams's heart more than to hear that this church has closed its doors, that our press has stopped printing, and that our academy has closed, that our outreach efforts have ceased. They don't want their labors in vain. And I hope after five years as your pastor now, that I've earned the right to say, I don't want my sacrifices and my labor to be in vain either. I too want the efforts and the investments to remain. None of us want to labor in vain. We want there to be fruit which is lasting, which continues into the next generation. But regardless of the outcome, we keep laboring. We just keep at it. The fact is, have you learned this yet? We don't know how the Lord is always working behind the scenes. What we may sense is in vain, may in reality be very fruitful in the end. Jesus said, did Jesus say it or did Paul say it? The Bible says <laughs> that the Gentiles would provoke Israel to jealousy. What may have looked like in vain, God was working behind the scenes to say, I'm going to use this to provoke people to come to Christ. We don't know how God's working all the time. And so we just have to say, my judgment is with the Lord and my work is with my God. And in the end, we must know that the continuation of our labors rests with the individual and with God. What I'm saying is this, I can pour and invest, labor, but ultimately that person has to do something with it. We can only do so much. We cannot work in the heart. Only the Holy Spirit can. We can't make others hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they must be willing to desire it themselves. So I would tell you tonight, keep doing right by God. Let Him sort it all out in the end. Now real quick, let's finish with verses 17 and 18. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. So Paul uses the imagery of himself as an Old Testament sacrifice placed upon the altar. In fact, the Greek word for offering is when one is poured out as an offering. It is speaking of a drink offering. That's what you'll find in the Old Testament. Genesis 35, 14, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. So that's the imagery Paul is using here. Paul was at peace with God, uh, was at peace with God if he were called to pour out his life unto death as a sacrifice. If it meant that it would help establish this church, help establish their faith, help them continue to run the race. He knew my labors won't be in vain. Paul just wanted to help the cause of Christ. That was his end goal. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, For I am now ready to be offered. Same word. I'm ready to be poured out. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And he tells him here in verse 18, 
Don't be grieved at his sufferings, even, th- even if they are unto death. But rejoice with me in giving thanks unto God. And so we see that we must be willing to labor and even sometimes suffer. There may even come a day when we need to die, not only for our faith, but maybe for the faith of others. So there is a major impact when the lost world can see that our faith is real enough that we will even die for it if it means glorifying our Lord and helping to strengthen others. You know, we're in a day where people need to see how much the Lord means to us. That's true of every generation. But listen, we we often say, even if it costs us our life, what if it costs you your job? What if it costs you this relationship? Sometimes... In, 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 my, in my mind, I think we just jump straight to death and we think, yeah, I'll be willing to do that. What about those things that lead up to that point? Are we willing to go to prison? Well, we live in America. We have the, the First Amendment. We'll tell that to those that are in jail right now. Tell that to those who got arrested during COVID. Are you living for God? No matter what comes your way. Have you sold out to Christ to the point that you would be able to rejoice no matter what? Are you like that drink offering being poured out for Him? Is your life like a sweet-smelling savor? Have you poured yourself out upon the altar? And if called upon to lay down your life for the cause of Christ, would you? It all starts with being willing to hold forth the word of life. Is that what you're doing today? Are you holding forth the word of life for others? Let's pray.